As you know by now, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand that I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce a new innovation. Plus CBD Daily Balance THC-free. Daily Balance is a daily-use supplement that provides the benefits of CBD without the concern of other cannabinoids like THC causing unwanted effects. Daily Balance contains the purest form of hemp-derived CBD in high concentrations to help you overcome intense challenges to mental and physical well-being. All Plus CBD products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's new Daily Balance THC-free line of oil, soft gels, and gummies. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today, we're going to talk to a frequent contributor. He's Nathan Jones. Uh, Nate is a good friend and colleague. Uh, He is also the CEO of CLEAR, X-L-E-A-R. CLEAR makes uh, nasal hygiene products, uh, clear nasal spray, also uh, xylitol gum products under the Spry Dental Defense brand. Uh, They're products that we've talked about here on Intelligent Medicine. Uh, Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the science, but before we talk about uh, the science uh, surrounding these products, uh, we're going to take a deep dive on the politics that surrounds the natural products industry. Now, this is a particular of interest to me because I'm president of the Alliance for Natural Health. The Alliance for Natural Health is a grassroots organization which argues for freedom of choice in healthcare and access to therapies and products of our choice. Uh, and I think when it comes to clear, we have uh, kind of a case study in how uh, overzealous government regulation uh, has precluded consumers from obtaining the information they need uh, and having access to products that can uh, help them in their everyday health maintenance and prevention. So uh, without further ado, uh, here's Nathan Jones, who is the author of a, this is a fabulous letter, a letter that has appeared in Whole Foods magazine, uh, which is addressed to Dear colleagues in the natural products industry, and uh, Nathan, you've done a beautiful job laying out uh, the problem here. So, so take us take us through what's happening in your uh, saga. Uh, you know, clear versus the FTC. Ah, uh, well, the, the latest thing is, I mean, we're just in the middle of doing depositions. We've done some of the depositions of the people in the FTC, um, and you know, they admitted to a lot of very in my opinion, um, criminally negligent um, things that killed people uh, in the United States and around the world. Um, they'll be doing how, my how deposition so? How so? Because you, so you're making that argument because they have interfered with the dissemination of information that could have really been of life and death uh, importance for people. Is that absolutely okay? Absolutely. And and they did it by being incredibly negligent. 
because where I'm going with it, this has nothing to do with clear or my products or our products. Mm -hmm. But, and I, and I mentioned this on your podcast before is that in May of 2020, you know, right in the thick of it, they had the study that came out of Vanderbilt that was done with simple saline navage, simple saline rinsing your nose. Mm -hmm. And it showed, I mean, in the study and it wasn't big and I would not expect to get a hundred percent efficacy. Uh, no one expect except Pfizer and Moderna and the CDC ever expect <laughs> right. to get that. Good luck with that. Uh, yeah. But, you know, in the real world, I wouldn't expect it. But when just using salt water works that effectively, you would expect that that message would then be amplified. But the people at this FTC, lawyers, mm -hmm. they clamped down on that information. They sent warning letters to to. All the companies in our industry, they sent warning letters to Nilman, they sent warning letters to Navaj, they sent warning letters to, to me, <clears throat> saying don't share this information. Information that, could, is that basically is science-based, which suggests that these products do have an impact on the likelihood of respiratory infections. And again, we're not saying that these are, you know, panaceas or cure-alls for COVID or, you know, all uh, manner of human afflictions, uh, but they're part of an all-of-the-above approach uh, to prevention and treatment. So I think that that's a reasonable position to take. Uh, but, okay, so let's let's go back to the, the beginnings here. Uh, you got a warning letter from the FTC. And, you know, the instinct of a lot of manufacturers is to say, oh, sorry, uh, I'll take down that information. You know, I'll, then I'll live again to fight another day. Uh, and save a lot of costs because this has cost you enormous amounts of time, energy, you lost uh, opportunity costs too because your attention has been uh, divided looking at uh, you know lawyers and looking at litigation. Um, why didn't you just say, okay, we'll take down that information. What, what prompted you to, to push back? Well, we, we pushed back because they, they didn't talk to us first. They just sent us a warning letter and said, hey, this is this is and we sent them all of the data, the studies that had been done, showing and backing up the stuff that we, that what we had said in statements. And they came back and just said, no, we don't like your studies. We're like, do you have any studies of your own? No. Um, so where's your argument? Well, because we don't like your studies. We're like, um, okay, you might not like it, but you haven't done any of your own studies showing that what we're saying is wrong. This is something that, and we pointed to him and said, this is something that's on the CDC's webpage where, you know, the CDC tells you that the best way to treat a respiratory coronavirus infection is using saline irrigation. And that was, you know, that's on their webpage for a decade because coronavirus infections, respiratory coronavirus infections are not a new thing. Exactly. We've the, had the them for, fashion colds. you know, Yeah, there's rhinoviruses and there are coronaviruses. There was the SARS uh, epidemic, uh, which was a, a form of coronavirus. So coronavirus is just a new variant and on the theme. So there is research that even predates the current pandemic that suggests there's some prevention uh, associated with nasal hygiene. So it's a rather modest claim. You know, I think that, uh, you know, rinse your nose, uh, reduce your risk of infection, improve local immunity. I mean, I think that that's not an outrageous claim. Uh, I don't think that you're, you're making, uh, over the top claims. Uh, nevertheless, uh, they stuck to the guns. And so in your letter, uh, you enumerate 
This is kind of a, a letter to your colleagues in the natural products uh, industry. Uh, and what you're essentially saying is that if you think that Clear and these other companies are an outlier, think again, because the whole industry is under the gun. It's just a matter of whack-a-mole uh, that the FTC eventually will get around to challenging any kind of reasonable claim. And, you know, you have your choice. You can just close up shop where you can pull down uh, any kind of information that guides consumers to your products, uh, or you can you can stand up and fight, as you have done, right? Correct. And and to, to mention two things that the FTC, or even three things that the FTC has done in the last few years um, that, that are just, they border, in fact, I think they passed the absurd. But, you know, when COVID first happened, when it first started in 2020, you know, the other regulatory agencies, you know, the FDA, the CDC, these other agencies that are out there, um, you know, everybody's talking about emergency use authorization, things we can do to lower the bar as long as something is safe. To, fa- to fast-track things, bar, fast-tracking things. For, to I mean, fast-track for, things. Yeah, exa- for an example of which is the new <laughs> Alzheimer's drugs, which are actually pretty dangerous and not likely to, to dramatically alter the, the outcome of Alzheimer's, yet they were fast-tracked with the hope and the prayer that maybe they can offer some measure of solace or consolation to people who are uh, developing dementia. And, and, you know, this is part of, in the spirit of, uh, accelerated approval, right? Well, I, and you're bringing up an example that I think is not an example of fast tracking it to help the patient. My, I've read a lot of information on those, and I think those were fast tracked just to milk money out of the government for the pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was any patient centric thought process going on there, but that's a whole other can of worms. But, you know, but yes, that's exactly the thing is that when you have a crisis, you don't raise the bar, you lower the bar. Mm-hmm. As long as it's, you know, it's safe enough, you know, you don't have to prove as strong of efficacy as long as you have safety. Well, tell me what is, what is more, you know, what is safer than failing? Not much. But the FTC, rather than lowering the bar and saying, hey, you know what? We're in the middle of a crisis, a once in a lifetime. I'm quoting a bunch of their attorneys uh, from their depositions. A once-in-a-lifetime pandemic, people are falling in the streets, you know, going on and on about how bad this crisis is. They raised the bar. Mm-hmm. They said, no, yeah. whatever you had in the past doesn't work. You have to now, for saline, you have to go out and do two RCT studies on your saline, on your nasal spray, not another saline, not mm-hmm. another product with xylitol. You have to go do it on your own. And you can't work with another company with the same product or a similar product to share the cost. Mm-hmm. So the FTC is going out and raising the barrier mm-hmm. for any non-pharmaceutical intervention, which is why no one ever heard about it. Um, but anyway, that's, that's what they did that was, that was absurd. The other thing that they did that was, that was, you know, in my, in my point of view, incredibly egregious and harmful to Americans is they actually are now trying to push um, guidance, and it's called staff guidance, but yet they are suing companies based on their staff guidance. Hmm. And they sent this thing out in November of 22, where they said any product on the market that is making any health claim has to have two large RCT studies to back up each of your health claims. And, and where is that it, anywhere in administrative law? Or where is that in any kind of congressional uh, bill 
that it empowers isn't. the FTC to do so, right? It's it's kind of like we it are, isn't okay. So it's it's a it basically rulemaking, but without any kind of accountability to Congress, uh, to the judiciary, or to even the executive branch. Uh, well, it's kind of like hang FTC on. Let me let me is making it up as they go. Let along. me let me go back there because because you said it was the judiciary and what they're doing. And in our depositions, we asked, and they said, yeah, we can go out and make laws uh, by precedent, by case law. So what they're doing is they're going out now, and they're suing small companies under these guidelines. And what they're hoping is that enough of these small companies cave Mm -hmm. to where they have case law precedent. I see. Okay. Okay. So they're doing a runaround Congress to try to create laws that that, that don't fall under their jurisdiction. So in effect, you're, you're doing you're doing the entire industry a service. Uh, the burden is on you. It'd be great if, if all the companies banded together and took action. Uh, but you are doing a service by by you know being obstinate and pushing back against these uh, arbitrary rules uh, and restrictions that uh, FTC has has created. And I you know I think there is a spirit now and. I think a case has uh, been heard in the Supreme Court. Some additional cases are going to be heard about uh, agencies making up rules that go beyond their uh, legislated roles. In other words, basically, these legislators set up, uh, you know, allocations to agencies. Agencies are told that they must enforce the rules. But then when they make up their own rules... Uh, that's a whole different thing. And I think there's pushback in other industries. There's pushback in, you know, uh, that's correct. That's, that's the, happening. At the the state of West Virginia level. pushed back to the EPA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the West Virginia pushed back to the EPA and the Supreme Court actually sided with West Virginia mm-hmm. because the EPA was out there making rules and guidelines and enforcing, trying to enforce them as laws uh, in the same way that the FTC is doing and, and the uh, Supreme Court shut them down. Right. Again, that's not so applicable that to your. It's, it's, it is in your favor, but it's not directly applicable because uh, this is about uh, claims in the in the supplement realm, and perhaps you know th- this has to be worked out uh, in court. And of course, this is extremely expensive. And one of the things that uh, you point out uh, in your wonderful article, and I recommend you know we'll put a link up um, uh, you know when we post the show uh, in your article in uh, Whole Foods Magazine, uh, is that the government. And I'm quoting, is a well-funded Goliath. They have no incentive to reduce costs or settle things on a reasonable basis. They use regulatory, legal, and litigation processes to both grind you down and punish you from the get-go long before anyone has been found guilty of anything. And in fact, (laughs) in one case, a government attorney literally told defense counsel that, quote, the process is the punishment. And I, I got to say, I think we're also seeing this on the on the political scene, where you know, uh, like him or not, uh, regardless of your political perspective on uh, you know ex President Trump, uh, there's a legal process that's literally designed to be punitive and grind him down, even if he wins. I mean, <laughs> it's exhausting, it's psychologically demoralizing, and it's expensive, and it can break you. Yes. Yes, it does. I mean, I hope it doesn't break me, um, you know, but I'm pretty sure that it won't. But we are going to fight back because I think it's the right thing to do. 
You've also written that the process is stacked in their favor. Uh, the way that it works is uh, you can be tried in uh, a uh, federal court, right? But you could also be tried in what's called an administrative court. And an administrative court uh, is subject to administrative law. And administrative law is been likened by some people to a kangaroo court. You know, it's basically, it's the agency's court where they're hearing your case, but it's the agency's court, right? Correct. And we're, they sued us in a federal court. And okay. my lawyers are, are smart enough. They just said if they, if they sue you in administrative court, I'm not, I can't remember exactly what they said. You don't ignore it, but you just assume you're going to lose and you're going to appeal it to a federal court anyways. Okay, so let's go but right to the federal again, court, where at least maybe there's some yeah. uh, judicial um, uh, discretion, perhaps. You know, not just that they're acting on behalf of enforcement of, by the agency. Correct. And, and the second thing that they do, and, and I think this is critical um, in the natural products industry, is they, they sit there and they say, and I'm putting air quotes up right now, you can't see them, but they say, we need to, we need to negotiate a settlement. Right. And all of the time that I sat there and negotiated, you know, I'm using the term negotiated, uh, we kept going, and I, can't, and I can't say that exactly what we were saying, because that's, we're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. But in essence, what we came back and, and I said is, I said, you know, if you give us some guidelines as, what, as to what we can say, yeah. then I'll be happy to abide by those guidelines. But they came and said, well, we're not your advisors. Well, okay, you're going to sue yeah. me no matter what I say. Yeah. Well, 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 if that's what you think. Well, okay. But you're saying that, you know, it's, it's, you won't give me guidelines. Well, you have the guidelines. Well, I said, I'm, I'm following those guidelines. It's your guidelines that you're, that you're moving around. And so we refuse to, to do it. And I think that most companies should refuse to even negotiate. Go in there and negotiate, but whatever you do, Get an attorney that you're not paying by the hour. Get an attorney that's on a flat fee and you, and you're the only ones that go in there because the point of their negotiation is not is, is to draw it out, to is to draw it out, is to draw it out and increase your Correct. expenditures uh, and ultimately uh, wear you out, wear you down, you know, because that's kind of the Correct. most up, right? To and, finally, and, you know, surrender. And let me add one point to it that we learned to, to back up that point. But when we were deposing the attorneys at the FTC that were doing this, mm-hmm. Richard Cleland, yep. um, who's one of, who was the guy behind it, I'll, you know, I'm happy to use his name, but Richard Cleland, um, you know, he, he kind of just came out and said, um, uh, you know, what was it? I, we asked him, no, no, it wasn't Mike Richard Cleland. It was Mike Davis, uh, one of the other attorneys. And we said, Mike, how long have you been with the FTC? 21 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the history of your time at the FTC, how many times has the FTC sent out a warning letter to a company or an entity? And when they, and the entity, the company responded and gave you data and studies to back up their claim, did you rescind or retract your warning letter? <laughs> and he said, never. Never. Okay. So I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, wait, this, so this, reminds you, this, is, this reminds me of appealing a, an insurance denial. Uh, and, you know, in a similar uh, case uh, that, that I was involved with because they denied all our claims, uh, one of our patients went to court uh, and the lawyer asked precisely that question of the insurance company examiner who was responsible for reviewing claims. And they ask, you know, how often have you reversed a decision about denial of claims? And they said, never. 
they said never we you know you can try you can do all you can submit all the science you can submit all the medical evidence you can but our job is basically to deny claims okay so yeah and wow. I, I i get the spirit of that yeah and that's that's very very frustrating so in a, well, so, another another part of the absurdity of that is both mike michael davis mm-hmm. and richard cleland um when we were doing their depositions they so they sent a warning letter to us without a phone call, you know, without saying, Hey, you know, what's up? We just get a warning letter out of the blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when we called and sent all of the data backing all this up, they even admitted that they never opened and read the studies. Uh, there you go. Well, the, the other thing that you point out in your letter, your very eloquent letter to um, uh, Whole Foods Magazine is, and I'm quoting, the government officials who cast judgment in you and your actions have no real expertise in these fields and they make no real effort to weigh the science. So in other words, you know how they're not in a position to evaluate whether it's good science or bad science because they have no scientific background, nor do they consult with uh, experts in the field that they're adjudicating. Right. Correct. They didn't do any of that. I mean, the science behind hygiene, you know, if, if you have a, you know, a pathogen going around, a kindergarten, you know, a kindergartner could tell you, yeah, wash your hands. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a, an oral pathogen going around. Well, they sure made a big deal a about that. We were say, supposed to wash your hands every five minutes during during COVID, you know, wash. And then we were supposed to like uh, uh, sing uh, because, Yankee Doodle or something because, like that. You know, there was like a whole thing about uh, like like a. Uh, a cult of hand washing, but then when it comes to nasal passages, that's not applicable. No, that's and that's what I'm saying. That it doesn't take it doesn't take a brain surgeon. It doesn't even take a, <laughs> right. a fifth grader yeah. to understand that if you have a respiratory pathogen that you are getting sick in the nose or getting infected in the nose, it doesn't take a brainiac to sit there and say maybe we should wash our nose. Right. Maybe if we use something that blocks adhesion of a pathogen in our nose or destroys it in our nose, that would help. In fact, there's multiple articles in the medical literature to that effect, and these guys just ignored all of it. Yeah. And so another point that and you again, make. And again, that goes back to what I said earlier. That's criminal negligence. Yeah. Uh, good luck with that claim because you can't sue the <laughs> government. You can't sue the government. You can't, I mean, like. Uh, if if somebody in, in, if there's civil liability, uh, if someone uh, has responsibility for harming you or harming the public, uh, but when it comes to the government, you can't. They're they're basically uh, Teflon when it comes to you can't make legal claims, right? That is correct. And so the that's why point, they don't care. That's why they don't care. So. Here's another point that you make, and this is an important point, and I think that's what chastens a lot of companies from stepping forward. And that's why they, they, they go along to get along. You know, they say, well, okay, you don't want us to say that, government. Okay, we'll take down that, that post or we'll take down that claim uh, and uh, we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll play nice with you. Because you write, quote, even if you win, you're still left holding a big bill. And there's nothing you can do to get your time or money back. Now, there is this thing in law where someone has someone sues you improperly. I think a, a good example of that was the Johnny Depp case. Uh, his girlfriend, I forget her name, or his you know, ex-wife, I don't know, his girlfriend, I think, uh, sued him for what? 
whatever, you know, uh, sexual battery, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and uh, he uh, countersued her uh, because it was damaging to his reputation. And it turns out that her claims they felt were false and exaggerated. And there was reputational damage. And he recouped not just court costs, but he recouped additional damages. But this is not you have reputational damage. Uh, you have time and money expended. But at the end of the day, even if you prevail, even if they say, you know, you won. OK, go ahead. Make your claims. You're not going to get your money back. The only way that you can possibly get it back, and I've had many discussions on this, and, and, they, and you know, some of these attorneys think there's a strong case for it, is if you can show that they uh, impinged on your First Amendment. OK. That's a that's a tough reach. Again, it's 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 yeah. a long shot. Yeah. But but uh, you know, and this that's really depending what it, on what we find in further depositions that could or be or could be or could not be the case. But isn't that this really fundamentally what this is all about? Is about our First Amendment right to share information uh, with appropriate identification of the source of the information. If it's you know, you could just say I'm I you know I think this product is great. Uh, I haven't had a cold in, in 10 years. Okay, fine. That's a, you know, take, take that with a grain of salt. But if you, uh, if you share a scientific study, I think it's, it, the public can evaluate that and say, hey, there's some scientific studies here. Maybe there's something to this. Why would the government prevent that freedom of speech from being exercised on behalf of natural products? Well, you don't even have to just say natural products. I mean, I think, I think that the attitude, and I think that this has become incredibly apparent, is that people that work in the government think that they're smarter than the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And I will actually give them credit, because a lot of them probably are, because they're smart enough to get a job where they have zero liability, zero (laughs) responsibility, and they get paid for their life to do it. Right. While the rest of us are out here trying to make good products and actually you know, sell products and we have to actually follow rules um, that are out there. And, and so maybe also, they are the smarter ones. And there's also a revolving door aspect to this because a typical career path for a young attorney is to get a government job and to, you know, notch their gun with some victories uh, against alleged perpetrators like you. Uh, and then uh, after a few years of experience and they know, the laws and they know the regulators, they, they, you know, they have, they can pick up the phone and they've got, you know, personal contact with somebody in the FTC uh, to go into the privates. Uh, They can work uh, on behalf of companies. They can work on behalf of trade associations uh, or they can join law firms uh, where they can then uh, defend you from the FTC. And they usually uh, do that with a salary increment of about tenfold because, you know, you can make, maybe six figures, low six figures working for the government of the highest civil service uh, classification. I think Anthony Fauci was the highest paid government employee and he made, I don't know, $400,000. Uh, and uh, uh, But you can make a heck of a lot more as an attorney working on the outside. But that's what they call the revolving door, right? But I don't know that, that that's all in because I'm seeing all of these government employees that are making, you know, a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars a year, and their wealth is just growing from ten million to twenty million to thirty million to a hundred million. Hmm, that's peculiar. I don't know, you know, I don't know how that's happening, but I, you know, go look at our congressman. 
Exactly. It's like, yeah, on a salary of they've, they've been in there for, for yeah. they've been in there for thirty years, and they're worth a hundred million dollars off of a hundred and eighty thousand dollar a year salary. Exactly. So some something else is going on. So they're very smart. Uh, Nate, I, I want to pause because we, as you know, we divide our podcast uh, into two parts, and your time is very valuable, and both of us have uh, meetings uh, at uh, you know in thirty minutes or so. Um, I just want to mention, for what it's worth, uh, give a shout out that clear, na- clear nasal products are available at uh, Walgreens, CVS, Vitamin Shop, Bright Aid, Target, Kroger, Publix, Sprouts, Natural Grocers, and most natural products retailers nationwide. That's not a controversial statement. Will they, will they come after me for saying that? Uh, they can also be purchased online. It doesn't via- matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I say. If they want to come after me, they'll figure out a way. Uh, it's like, uh, uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, Beria, who was the uh, uh, prosecutor for Stalin, he said, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. Uh, they, they can also be purchased online via XLEAR.com. Is that correct? And also on Amazon. Uh, you can find the Spry Dental products that are available at uh, Wegmans, the Vitamin Shop, Sprouts, Farmers Markets, Natural Grocers, and most all natural market retailers. And of course, uh, Amazon as well as XLEAR.com. And when we return, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the science because uh, there's emerging science about uh, xylitol. And uh, we're going to focus on uh, some new studies uh, and some uh, older studies that we want to review that look at the impact of uh, chewing xylitol in rich chewing gum, like the Spry products that you offer uh, and outcomes. So when we return... I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.